Canada, this is Nick Spagnuolo, and you're listening to the Ancestral Recall Podcast, brought to you by Face-to-Face Games and ManitaPride.com. Consecutive weeks of the Ancestral Recall podcast. What, what a is surprise. It? What is it, Christmas? <laughs> is this Christmas in Canada? Is it Christmas in August? Maybe. So Christmas's uh, traditional colors are red and green. But today, we're going to be talking about the opposite of red and green. So we're talking about black. Well, no. Black is allied with red. Just kidding. We're going to read an article called Casting Blue Spells. By Nick Spagnolo. Do you know this article? No, I don't. This, who, who's Nick Spagnolo? So, Nick Spagnolo, for a brief moment in time, was like the best magic player on the planet. For what? Like, yeah, for like a month. Right. Okay. <laughs> he went right, right before he wrote this article. He beat me at states one year, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how good he was. He won everything, like in a row. Uh, I think there was a stretch where there were two TCG Player 5Ks in one weekend, mm. and he won both of them. Jesus. He won, like, I, I don't think you understand. He didn't top eight these tournaments. He won everything. He won a Pizza Q. He won a 5K. He won a fi- another 5K. He won an Open for, like, two months. It was, like, a big joke. Like, people were like, we thought Brad Nelson was good. It was, like, literally, I was just like, I literally was like, it's like 2010. Brad Nelson was coming off being Pro Tour Player of the Year, mm. and I was like, I've never seen anyone this consistently dominant. And I was just like, and then Nick Spagnolo appeared, and he he won everything. He just he entered a tournament, he won it. Unbelievable. And so you're like, well, who is this guy? And then he just started writing magic articles. And he had a relatively brief career as a Magic: The Gathering writer, mm. but he wrote this article. I think like two weeks after winning states or something, he beat me in the states actually. And he, his, this article is so awesome. I think it's the best st- magic strategy article I had read. I'd read in two thousand ten, ten years easily. Wow. No, not not maybe time quite time. I mean, yeah, I think like the great height of me and Patrick doing like good theoretical articles was about three to four years before this. Mm. Not, everyone's putting out good articles. I'm just saying, like, certain kind of articles. But there's not that many theory articles that are really great. This is one of them, though. It's phenomenal. And right. most people don't know it, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like, hey, you might not know the name Nick Spagnolo. It's only because you weren't looking magic coverage in 2010, because if you had, he won, he won everything. <laughs> Unbelievable. And um, it's a great guy. Utterly awesome human being, and um, this is a great magic article, and comes from a certain era. You'll understand the era pretty quickly, and when we're talking about it, and and we can just jam about what you thought about casting blue spells afterwards. Awesome. You ready to rock? Ready to rock. All right, casting blue spells by Nick Spagnolo. <clears throat> this is from October twenty eighth, two thousand ten. So it's right, right before Halloween. Maybe he did this. Actually, I think. States was out on Halloween that year, so maybe he wrote this three days before he beat me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, doesn't matter. 
I was the 2006 New York State champion. <laughs> Nick was the 2010 New York State champion. Because he won that tournament, too. He won everything. I don't think you can... When I say he won everything, I, think, I mean, I, I think he I, entered the tournament and then won the tournament, no matter how many players were in it. I'm pretty sure I can understand that won everything means that like he, he won, won everything. Okay, so... <laughs> Preordain and Jace the Mind Sculptor dictate what blue decks can do in our standard format. These two cards offer so much card manipulation that you can reliably find one-ofs in most games. I've wanted to write about Preordain for a while, and this is largely inspired by our own AJ Soccer's article, Pondering Brainstorm. Pondering Brainstorm is a great article also, by the way. I remember uh, watching AJ's, he has a video that's like an hour long called yeah. How to Brainstorm. Yeah. I, I watched like a long time ago. We should we should go over that one. Yeah. Or go over AJ's article. Yeah, I teamed with AJ once. Uh, yeah, he's, he's cool. Um, yeah, so uh, that's a great article, Pondering Brainstorm. Which I would highly recommend as a must read. For this article, I'm going to be using examples from my black-blue control list. But they can easily be translated into blue-red or blue-white control. Whenever I say Doomblade, you can envision a lightning bolt or a journey to nowhere, or whatever other removal spell you fancy. All of these points can apply to any preordained Jace Mana Leak deck. He's so smart, right? Like, that's not an obvious extrapolation for most players, right? That these are interchangeable things that are pivoting around mm -hmm. this other cohort of, of cards, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's obvious when you say it out loud, right? But it's not, I think, obvious in the abstract. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Once you do the header. All right. Don't cast Puridane until you need to. This is the most important thing you can take away from the article. Puridane generates more value the longer you wait to cast it. A late game Puridane is usually game winning, while an early game Puridane is little more than a cantrip. As an example, let's say you have an average hand with two to three lands, a removal spell, and a counter spell. How does a turn one Puridane help you here? A few turns later, you will have drawn more cards and used Puridane to find any specific piece you are missing. This theory is just as important in the mid to late game. A mid game preordain that finds an answer to what your opponent might have is worse than a preordain to find the answer to the question you are currently being presented with. Of course, always use preordain to find land drops if you need them. It's just sort of like, like an example I'm thinking of is kind of the, the blue red control deck that's in standard now, um, and paralleling this to the card sensor or like hieroglyphic illumination. Like, when, when to, to cycle those cards or, you know, save them for later. So, no, this is actually one of the reasons I thought this article was so great when it came out was mm. that paragraph. And I'll tell you why. Curdan is an amazing card. Andrew Cuneo would say that it was the most powerful card that, that Watsi had printed in, like, 10 years. More powerful, than, <laughs> yeah, more powerful than Jason Mind Sculpture. Yeah. And there were a couple things around that. One of them was, if you looked at the decks that were successful in this era, Stoneblade and mm -hmm. Teamer, um, Teamer Lotus Cobra in particular... One of the things that Preordain was doing in those decks was really helping you. You played it on turn one, and you could really, at a high degree of <clears throat> of likelihood, land a turn to Stoneforge Mystic or Lotus Cobra. Right? Mm -hmm. Either you would have the Stoneforge Mystic or Lotus Cobra in your hand, and you get the land you needed to power it up, or vice versa. Right? You you had the land, you get the two drop that you wanted. So it was creating this great deal of of um, consistency that didn't exist in some of these decks previously. One of the things that we misidentified, right? So me and BDM loved Preordain so much also. Like, any good player, like, Preordain's great. But one of the things that we loved about it, and we podcasted about it, wrote about it in articles, is that it increased the number of keepable hands you had. You're just like, look, my hand is blah. You know, now I can keep these one-landers because I'm going to Preordain into land, right? Mm -hmm. Nick is saying that's terrible, right? He's like, don't do that. That doesn't actually yield good hands. 
And that's the opposite of what the common thought process was. But it's obvious he's right for one reason. He won everything, <laughs> right? Like, if everyone's playing a certain way, and here's this other guy who never loses, right? He's just like, this is how you play the card, not how all you sheep are playing the card, mm -hmm. right? I was just like, he must be right. Because it's like a one-minute spell. You, oh, I want to, like, cantrip this early on in the game, but really you should be saving it to find, like, your, like, Jaces or whatever. When or, I, or whatever cards you need in that specific, like, in that, that moment. When I wrote the official Miser's Guide, one of the things that I did was watch a lot of tape. I mm -hmm. watched a lot of tape of um, Star City Opens, which is, there's tons of tape of it, right? And I distinctly remember this match between, I want to say, Alex Bertoncini and Ali Andrazi, mm -hmm. and Ali's, I, I, I hope I'm not misremembering this, Ali top decks uh, a preordain, and he has like a big spell, I think a worm coil engine maybe, mm -hmm. and he has a preordain, right? So I think he has six mana, worm coil engine, and preordain, and he does the worst possible thing, and I'm like, oh my god, I can see it right now what he's going to do, and it's wrong. What he did was he cast a preordain to put a land on top of his deck, draw the land with the preordain, play it, and play cast the worm coil engine. Which is the same play as if he had just played the Worm Coil Engine but had only six lands, right? But then how do you use the Pyridane to dig to a counterspell mm -hmm. to protect the Worm Coil Engine? He ended up losing because he, he flooded out or whatever. He could have turned that Pyridane into two spells instead of turning it into a land drop and making literally the same play that he would have made, right? He just mm -hmm. has seven lands instead of six, but he's all tapped out and has no resources left, right? Instead, he could have just had six land untapped and gotten a counter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was... It, I I apologize to Ali, my buddy, Ali Antrazi, if I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that's what he did. And, you know, I, just so much relief in this article from Nick. Just be like, the most highly played... I think Pyridon was more commonly played than Jason Mind Sculptures. There'd be some decks that had no Jason Mind Sculptures, had three Jason Mind Sculptures, four Pyridons in almost every deck that could, that could tap an island in this era. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is such a paradigm shift. I think it was... It's intuitive for players who want to maximize their mana drops every turn to have made the play that he made, mm -hmm. right? You can see that? Anyway. Um, Curdane with a goal. The blue decks we are looking at are full of one-for-ones and use Jace or Titans to put the game away. If you are lacking a shuffle effect, Preordain can turn into a thirst for knowledge after a brainstorm. Preordain can find you the card you need to stay alive. Preordain can find you the Jace or Titan you need to win the game. The point here is to preordain with a goal. You want to use it as a source of card selection, not as a cantrip. So that's actually the opposite of what you said. Hey, I can cantrip with sensor, right? He's saying, don't do this. This is a demonic No, what, what I'm saying is that's the idea he's getting across is that if people, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't cantrip with sensor, right? Maybe you should save it for, for later. And, or if you want to try and find like a torrential gear hook or something. I think that, I think in Mag this is the thing I learned from John Finkel. Uh, in a long ago podcast, probably from 2006, he guested on uh, the Top 8 Magic podcast, mm -hmm. and he said something like, there's just no hard and fast rules in Magic. If you want me to reduce correct Magic play into, like, sound bites, it's, it's unachievable. Like, everything, ma like, maximally, uh, you know, value-laden play is, is, is too dynamic. There's no... Mm -hmm. There's no hard and fast rule. So I would say even in what you're saying, I don't know. I think like, mm. sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. God, there's this play that Carlos Romao made in the top eight of the Pro Tour that, that Shadow won. Uh, mm. It's like two or three Pro Tours ago. And he, uh, he, his opponent uh, has like no cards in hand. And he has a, um, 
He has a, a what's the UU two card that counters anything? Um, disallow? No, Can UU two counter like, RFG everything. Oh, sorry. Uh, you uh, the, um. <clears throat> It's like exile spells and then yeah, exile exactly. everything. Right, it's he has one of those in his yeah. graveyard from uh, from countering an Emrakul. Okay, yeah, previously, and he has a torrential gear hulk in his hand. Mm-hmm. His opponent goes Aetherworks Marvel, last card in hand. Carlos casts a uh, casts a, a void chatter from his hand to counter the Aetherworks Marvel. Ninety nine players out of a hundred cast the torrential gear hulk and flashback the you, you summary said, dismissal. Summary dismissal to counter the Aetherworks Marvel. There, right? Wouldn't you? He has six mana. His opponent has no other cards in hand. Do not land this guy and and and, and flash it back. It's tempting to because he can start being down with it. Yeah, he doesn't. He casts it out of his hand, right? Mm-hmm. So then just draws his card. There's nothing. Says go. His opponent casts an Emrakul off the top the next turn, and he he has the torrential gear hulk for some reason dismissal the next turn. And look, the way it played out was so perfect. Mm-hmm. But I just asked like John, I asked like Patrick, like all the good players. I'm like, what play would you have made? And most of them were like, you know. The Gearhawk play is so intuitive there. But John said to me, he's like, look, I didn't test this matchup from his side, but maybe he just knows that... I mean, given the option, right? Like, if he has no other option, he's not going to let the Marvel land, right? But maybe he just knows that the only way he's going to lose is to a hard-casted Emrakul, right? Whether the Emrakul's coming off of a hand, you know, at discount, or, you know, coming off of the Marvel, whatever, and that it's just better to reserve that resource if given the option. That's a... That comes with experience, mm-hmm. right? I think, like, you just... I think Nick's saying, like, you got to have plan. You have to understand what's, what's valuable in these matchups. Mm-hmm. And it's fluid. Turn 3 Preordain is one of my favorites, especially in the Control Mirror. If you cast Preordain before playing your third land, your opponent needs to stop and think about whether or not you have a land and will sometimes even counter it. If it resolves and you play a landed pass, your opponent is far more likely to think you have a counter spell since you just preordained. The goal here is for information and to see if you can walk your opponent into a mistake. Even if it does resolve, you have more knowledge of what you need now than you did in turn one, and you are still representing everything. Never cast preordain blind. I see people cast preordain on turn one before they know what their opponent is playing. How can you even know which cards you want to keep or put on the bottom? Unless you're keeping a one-land hand with Preordain, which is a trap in itself, you won't yet know whether you want that second copy of Doomblade or the Memoricide you're about to scry away. Preordain and one land on seven cards is not a good hand in most situations. You're ideally going to play a land every turn for this first six turns at least, so your hand needs to be good enough with no more spells drawn for at least four turns. Of course... If you have a Jace Balaran and multiple one or two mana in- interactive spells, this becomes a lot more attractive. I would advise against keep this hand blind, however, as missing land drops in the control mirror is the fastest way to lose. On Jace the Mind Sculptor. Jace does everything. He catches you up when you're behind, gets you ahead, helps lock your opponent out of the game, as well as being its own win condition. Jace has a hidden triggered ability of... If you untap with Jace the Mind Sculptor, win the game. You do need to set yourself up for Jace to win the game, and that comes with having a plan in each matchup. There are some matchups where sticking a turn 4 or turn 3, Jace will win the game. The control mirror comes to mind, though you can never let him walk into a mana leak. Mono Green Aldrazi is another good example. If you're able to cast a Jace, and they are unable to reach critical 6 mana on their turn, he will win the game on his own. Fortunately, his minus one ability even lets you bounce Jiraga Tree Speaker, 
Overgrown Battlement, or even Eldrazi Spawn Token that can buy you the time you need to untap with him. In some matchups, such as the Vengevine decks or against Elves, your Jace is here to provide game-ending card advantage and value. Decks like these start to fall behind incredibly quickly as you cast Brainstorm and powerful spells every turn. Against these decks, Frost Titan and Creeping Tar Pit are your win conditions. Against other decks, such as Valakut and the Control Mirror, Jace is best at being his own win condition, constantly plus-twoing himself until he can go ultimate. Frost Titan gets worse as your deck becomes entirely Jace in answers, as you can just survive until you get ultimate Jace off without having to take the risk of tapping out for a Frost Titan. Tapping out for a Frost Titan presents? Is that even sentence? I don't, for what a pro- Frost for Titan? For what a pro- I don't know. That's not what it says. <laughs> Look, Nick. I blame Frank Lepore. I think he was the editor at this point. <laughs> what all of these decks have in common is that a Mind Sculptor will always win the game when it stays in play. Going into each match, you should have an idea of what role you want Jace to fill and play accordingly. You will often find yourself with an additional Mind Sculptor in your hand when you have one in play. Keep it! Once you're in position, the only road your opponent, um, to your opponent winning is to get your Jace off the table. Having a backup Jace further reduces your chance of losing. On Trinket Mage and Elixir of Immortality. This is how he defeated me. He Trinket Mage for Elixir of Immortality. I was playing a, a combo deck that was based on, like, um, milling people out for, like, there's uh, a the trap that traps for 13. We had main deck Elixir of Immortality. He beat my god draw with it. Dude won everything. <laughs> when I say everything, I mean, like, I know. defeated I get it. left and right. <laughs> there, are a lot, there is lots of debate about Elixir of Immortality being too cute. I have a hard time understanding why everyone isn't playing this card, as I feel it's pivotal to the success of the deck. Trinket Mage is pure value. It is versatile and useful in every matchup. Against all the decks in which it is underwhelming, you can sideboard out these generally good cards for the specifically powerful removal spells and counter spells you want to stock your deck with. Elixir gives you complete inevitability. Unlike any other card, Elixir ensures you will win the game eventually. You are able to rebuy every answer in your deck and easily reach a situation where you can draw more answers per turn than they draw cards. Because of the way Trinket Mage, Elixir, and Jace interact, you can gain large amounts of life while drawing four or more new cards per turn. Of course, this is a late-game scenario where you stuck a Mind Sculptor. But that is your game plan. You don't need to win the game. Having inevitability in every match means something important. You don't need to win. You just need to not lose. This is extremely relevant when considering making risky plays like tapping out for a Frost Titan. They might have a removal spell. Once again, because of Elixir of Immortality, you can spend every turn of the game attempting to get more turns. This involves making as many plays for value as possible for the whole game. Think about what sequence of events will actually cause the game to end, and play around those. What might usually be considered a losing position might not be, as long as you are propelling yourself further into the late game. Elixir keeps you alive. I hear people talk about how bad Elixir is to draw by itself. Yes, it's a pretty weak card in the typical sense, but if you only have one, it's a great way of ensuring you see another draw step. In addition to the five life, it provides a shuffle effect and makes sure you never get decked. Of course, we aren't all going around playing three mana guys plus and gain five life as a card, but when you have a tutorable recurring one, it's actually pretty great. Trinket Mage can be compared to a two U Kitchen Finks, because of Elixir, with the added option of being able to fetch removal or a chalice. As one example, let's say your opponent has a plated Geopede and you have a Trinket Mage. 
Without the elixir option, chump blocking is almost always correct to preserve your life total. But thanks to elixir, you have more leeway in saving your trinket mage for a kilnfian, goblin guide, or even have it stick around for a turn where your opponent can't landfall. In many situations, you can make better options based on value with less concern for your life total getting dangerously low. A few of these value plays later, you are far more than made up the card disadvantage that elixir entails. On sideboarding. When you sideboard, Think of it as building a new 60-card deck, as opposed to adding or removing cards. You get to fine-tune your deck to have the right answers to whatever your opponent is playing. For a ramp deck, you get to overload on counterspells. For the creature decks, you get to overload on removal. A lot of people ask why I usually board out my Frost Titans, and this is the reasoning. In Game 1, Frost Titan is an answer to almost anything, as well as being a relevant clock. In Game 1s, you might have some dead spells against a certain matchup. For example, a handful of Doom Blades against Mono Black or you might not have enough interaction to have inevitability in game one, such as against Pyromancer Ascension. Post-board, you get to bring in all the specifically cheap answers you need to have inevitability, instead of the generally good Frost Titans that are often six-mana twiddle. The same goes for Trinket Mage. The 2-2 body is acceptable at worst, and the card advantage is always good. You might side him out when you just want to be full of high-impact spells and when the 2-2 body is irrelevant, such as against Eldrazi Green. When you sideboard, you should know exactly how to use Jace. If you boarded out your Titans, Jace is there to minus 12. So keep that in mind instead of aimlessly brainstorming. If your deck is full of Titans and removal, Jace is here to brainstorm. So play him to take over after you run low on cards. A new list. I'm going to Charlotte this weekend, and here is the list I am currently on. Blue-Black Control by Nick Spagnolo. So three Frost Titan, three Trinket Mage, two Jace Bellerin, four Jace the Mind Sculptor, one Brittle Effigy, one Consuming Vapors, four Doomblade, two Duress, one Elixir of Immortality, two Everflowing Chalice, two Into the Royal, four Mana Leak, one Negate, four Preordain, one Stoic Rebel, four Creeping Tarpet, three Dark Slick Shores, four Drowned Catacomb, five Island, two Misty Rainforest, three Swamp, three Tectonic Edge, one Verdant Catacombs. Sideboard, four Disfigure, two Duress, three Flash Freeze, three Memberside, two Negate, one Needle Spellbomb. There were some small changes. Most notably, I added a set of Duress to the 75. The Mirror has become popular, and Duress is a great way to fight it, while also being valuable against the Ramp decks. Consume the Meek was underwhelming, and only good against Elves, so I cut it from the 75. I added an additional Dark Slick Shores to help cast turn one Duress. On scrubbing out of Pro Tours. I just locked up a rating invite to Worlds, and I look forward to making sure I don't start the tournament 1 and 4 like I did my first two Pro Tours. Standard is the first day, and I'm going to stay heavily focused on the format over the next two months. Thanks for all the positive feedback from the last article. It was great reading all the input. Nick Spagnolo. This was his second article he ever wrote. But... Really? Yeah, it's awesome, right? That's a good, like, just blue <laughs> blue primer. Like, he's just talking, I mean, I think it would be different if you had been familiar in playing in the era. All the stuff Nick says is the opposite of how people play. What people are doing? Yeah, okay. like, that's why it's so impressive, in my opinion. I mean, I guess it holds true, because he was winning everything. Did you say that? It, everything. <laughs> it was unreal. He just won everything. I mean, it was only, like, for two months, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, when those, like, nine weekends were over or whatever, he was, like, immortal again. But, um, yeah, won everything. It's cool again. But he won in all different formats. The thing is, like, he won Legacy. Okay. He won 
He won sealed deck. He was invincible with his black boot control deck, though. It's a cool deck. Like, three, the, the Trinket Mage that can fetch up uh, the Everflowing Chalice and Elixir of Immortality. And Brittle Effigy. Which card is a Brittle Effigy? It's like a, like, it's a hundred mana removal spell, right? It's one to to get, but then okay. it costs, like, five to activate, but it's just like... Okay. It RFGs, I think. Gotcha. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Like, it, it's, it surprises me that people are, I guess, playing so differently. Then I, mean, I, I see the turn one like Puridane, like keep a six. Oh, like keep a six six spell, spell hand with a one land for Puridane, and you have Puridane. You, you just mulligan that. Nick is saying that's a weak hand. Okay. I think he makes a good point, right? If your deck no, has like Doom Blades and stuff, it's possible if you don't know your opponent's deck. Mm-hmm. Doom Blades are terrible. Right? right. What if your hand has two Doom Blades, right? And he ends up being like Mono Black Infect, just for sake of argument. Yeah. Like you're dead. Like you can't. You just already double mulligan. It's better to... And you might not hit your third land drop. One of the points that he makes is that you have to keep hands that can hit six consecutive land drops. Mm-hmm. Right? You, maybe you have to use your pre to get to some of those land drops. But if you need but to along get to the, the way, you should be hitting your land drops. But if you not, need not to get to the second land gotcha. drop, you're not going to get six consecutive, right? Yeah. Like, it's such a more forward-thinking way of approaching, you know, the middle turns of the game. Mm-hmm. It's completely different than people like, oh, well, I now have a keepable hand... You know, my interaction speed is pretty good, right? Like, if you keep, just for sake of argument, you keep a hand, it's got six spells, but all the spells are mana leaks and doom blades. You can cast everything, right? You can one for one your opponent every turn. That's not the worst in the world, but that's the part of the problem, right? It, it, you're calibrated now to keeping hands that are not the worst in the world, so you're almost intrinsically going to fall behind against, against hands that are a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you kept... Mana League Doomblade, right? But then a Geist of St. Traft snuck through. You're, you can't Doomblade it, right? Because it has Hexproof. Just kill you to death. And you're wasting too much time trying to find your land drops yeah. to actually stabilize and, and get some of the mid and late game stages. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I've always loved this article. I thought it was one of the best theory articles I'd, I'd read in 10 years. I guess it's like it's. I guess at the time it was interesting to see someone's perspective that. Was, was doing really well by doing, I guess, the opposite of what the mainstream, whatever, like, people were, how they were playing their control decks. They were, was this a common build of the control deck at the time, or was this, like, Nick's own? So, Nick talks about qualifying for Worlds. I believe this year, so I think it was the year after um, Andre Coimbra won Worlds with my Naya deck. Mm-hmm. I think that next year, there was two black-blue control decks facing off in the finals, and they were based on Nick's design. I mean... It was like Guillaume Matignon and Guillaume Wafatapa, right? So Guillaume Wafatapa is close, very highly considered one of the best control deck designers in the world, right? It was it was nice watching him play but, the Pro Tour this past year. Yeah, game. but Nick, I, I, I don't remember the exact things. I think Nick innovated the Black Blue control deck, mm-hmm. and those guys iterated on it. Gotcha. I could be misremembering, but I don't think so. I think his deck was like kind of a, a line in the sand. And he was he was winning everything. You couldn't have missed it if you were if you were Looking at the coverage. Straight black blue was not, not so common. I think when I qual- I qualified for nationals uh, the previous year, I qualified with Grixis. So, you know, he took a color out. Casting blue spells, that's what I got. That was great. I liked um, it. I'll, I'll definitely, if I ever pick up, if I ever play blue spells... Which I never, I've never, I don't think I've ever played blue in a tournament. I don't think I've ever registered a blue control deck in a, in a competitive REL event. Well, you played Scapeshift before. 
That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, that, that technically is, but that's not like a control deck though. But what's Maybe, a control deck? Like it's just sure. We go over who's the B10. It's it's all context. Sure, sure. Right, like you, you like when I played Splinter Twin, I played it like a control deck. Right, I just did nothing for six turns, and my mm-hmm. opponent would stumble, and I'd kill them. Right, but that's the same as this. It just instead of a Frost Titan, I got them with like seven mana combo kill. This kind of makes me want to play blue red control now. <laughs> Want to sleeve up some disallows and unplayable, dude. How are you? How are you going to beat the Ramenop ruins? Can play. If they get you to ten, they just kill you with their deserts. That's true. You can disallow them at some point. No, probably not. You think? <laughs> is there an elixir of immortality card in standard? Um, I think there is actually. For like, just for colorless. I don't know. I don't know about rebuys. So I'm gonna look at look up look up gatherer now. <laughs> did you look at my horse tribal deck? I did. You play it yet? I haven't played. I I'm getting the cards for it this weekend. All right. So somebody else uh, has played the horse tribal deck. Uh, well, I think it was featured or not featured, but someone uh, on like MTG Goldfish that website. Um, they posted a list that was similar to yours. Yeah. Like, we'll just like, read this interaction. Okay. Just read what it says. Don't say who it is. Okay. Three uh, one versus red. Lost the team or energy. Felt very winnable. The red matchup is great. Great all caps. I would go to four authority of the consoles main. I would 100% play this for GP Minneapolis. That's good. Which I was going to the GP, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. So uh, I was a little disappointed when he said that he lost to Teamer Energy. The first match I played on Magic Online was Teamer Energy. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was this awesome sequence where we're like trading, right? Like I'm winning pretty hard, but I haven't won yet. And I have Crusted Sun Marin play, and his out is basically. Glorybringer. It's like Glorybringer, like my flip Lone Rider. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes! And he like slams Glorybringer. And I'm just like shaking my head because I have authority of councils in play. <laughs> Comes into play tapped. I gain a life. I trigger Horse Tribal. And he's just like, so I had no outs. And I'm like, you had no outs. <laughs> Super gas. That's pretty cool. The cards are really powerful. I think authority of the councils is really powerful. Especially right now, I mean, it, it's it's good for zombies because it shuts off Cryptbreaker being able to. But it undoes all the haste in the red deck. Well, yeah, right? that's, that, so that's the life gain is one thing, but undoing all the haste, undoing the haste on Glorybringer. Like no Hazaret, no Earthshaker Kenra, uh, no Bullet Courier, Glorybringer, no Uncrop Crasher, Crasher. Uh, Village Messenger. Yep. It undoes everything. It costs one mana, and like the life is not insignificant. If you look at the screenshots that BDM was posting, he's like at forty-five life every game. It's like pretty substantial. What if you played a uh, Felidar Sovereign? <laughs> so we thought Is that about crazy, doing, but like if you're maybe just, not main deck, you don't still don't need it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Like Horse Tribal is really powerful. Like just flipping a Lone Rider is insane. Like nobody games with that card, but I'm not sure why. You know what's really good? The Grixis Land. If you play the Grixis Land, it's your fifth land, gain one life and cast Horse Tribal. Like you almost always win. Does that count when you? Yes. Oh, okay. It doesn't have to be in play when you get a life. Just cast it. Oh, okay. It's, 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 it's your end step, right? Yeah. End step, okay. So, um, yeah, like, it's... Blue-Red control is unwinnable. Like, I don't know how you can win it. But at the same time, like, you're going to the GP. How many decks are... How many, how many Blue-Red like, control Blue-Red control you... is unplayable, though. That's the thing. It can't be Ramina Bread. So, I think this deck is unreal against Ramina Bread, and I think... It, I think it seems good versus zombies. Isn't good versus green black. Probably. I thought I thought those were all great. I I don't think I played against green black yet, but I played against zombies, teamer energy, and red decks, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was ahead against teamer energy, ahead against zombies, and way ahead against red. 
Um, Green Black, I'm not sure. I haven't played that matchup yet. There's also like a couple of random matchups like the Lord Control, unwinnable. Ramp Lord decks. Control. What about Ram decks? Tough, tough. What about like Godfarer's Gift? Oh no, Godfarer's Gift's okay. It's okay. Um, Authority of the Council's counters That's the Godfarer's Gift pretty well. And the deck has multiple RFG deserts. Okay. Right? So you can just keep their graveyard empty. Oh, you know, Brian said that the blue black green matchup was actually pretty good. But, yeah, uh, everything's or, or the ramp matchup was actually better than I thought it was because the RFG desert stops Traverse the Ugenwald. Mm, okay. I had not realized that. Like, so it, it, like, stops them from at least... Yeah, they can For the number of Ulamogs in their, Ulamogs in their yeah. deck. So, um, but it's... I was pretty, pretty enamored of it, actually. Okay. I mean, it's a gimmick deck, right? Like, if you're playing, like, in an actual open meta game, it's, it's not good against Ram. It's, like, the it's deck a, that's really good for this weekend. I would, pl- if I were playing in a Grand Prix this weekend, I would have four Crested Sun Mare, four Lone Rider, you know, Thraben Inspector. It's weird, Glorybound Initiate's the worst creature in the deck, and that card is, like, a legacy staple. All right, so... You just, you're incredulous about this, right? But there's some of the plays that you, maybe you're not intuitive to you, right? You just, like, play secondary glory bound, initiate it, and then go exert attack, right? Opponent will probably trade with it, but you gain four you life. You should wait until you have the... No. No? You should do it, and then they'll trade with it, right? So you yeah. gain four life, and you just land a lone rider right then. Oh, uh, okay. And then they're dead. So nobody can stop a lone rider. He flips, and he's a 4-4. Four, four. He, he also has the same thing where if you gain the life... Yeah, it, okay. you don't have to have... It doesn't have... It doesn't have to, have to yeah. check on the battlefield. Yeah. All right. It's just if it's that turn. Mm. So it's, uh, I think it's a, it's not a good deck. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good deck. It's an extraordinarily well-positioned deck for right now. But if you live in some bizarro land that it's blue-red control and, and ramp decks, which are both decks that are slaughtered by mono-red. Um, like, I mean, I played my blue-green ramp deck, which I was beating every matchup when we were testing it, right? But then... Monorail came in. Cannot. Woo! <laughs> I mean, the Cartouche of Zeal deck crushed me, right? So, yeah, don't don't expect to beat Blue-Green or Blue-Red or Green-Red Ramp with uh, with Crested Sun Mare. Blue-Red is unwinnable. But if it's decks that people can actually play... Is it, crazy, it is it crazy to play, like, the Splash Black for Transgress the Mind or something? I don't think that's enough. I mean, like, if you're just going to transgress someone right? as a one-for-one, yeah. you're going to transgress somebody who has Glimmer of Genius, what are you going to take? Because Glimmer of Genius is going to fix their hand. It's a two-for-one versus your one-for-one. Like, unless you think you can transgress all their Gear Hulks. Like, I think maybe you can, like, I'm going to kill all your dis- Gear Hulks. What if you play, you? like, Dispossess? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think here. Lost Legacy, their Ulamogs. It's tough, man. You have the Grixis Land, right? I think I would sooner play a green-white ramp deck and then just figure out if I could play Authority of the Councils in my green-white ramp deck and just play, like, a green-white shell, which is based on Traverse the Uvenwald, Ruin in Their Wake, and um, and uh, Evolving Wilds, and mm-hmm. then just get four Authority of the Councils into my deck. And, like, then just ignore the Crescent Sunmare combo. Just rely on Authority of the Councils to, to undo the haste. Because if you're undoing the haste, you get a lot back in one of these decks, and you can actually do relevant plays with Ulamog or, you know, some big creature. But anyway, different topic. I would, I would be on Crescent Sunmare this weekend. What would you be on? Um, I have some cool like, black white decks I've been trying to yeah. test out first, but I don't think they're as good against the other like the the non mono red decks. 
Well, if you're if you're gonna build a deck that's only good against mono red, I think that you should take the deck that's really good against mono red. <laughs> okay. Like, BDM was like, you just can't oh, really I'm, lose. I'm playing modern this weekend. I can't. I love playing standard. Yeah, if I, I scrub out of the, I don't want to scrub out of the, the modern open though and play standard on Sunday. Well, you should just bring your backup deck anyway. No, I, I will. But JSC. the goal is to win the the modern open. You then win the modern open. Okay. I mean, you've scrubbed out of the last two or three modern tournaments, so maybe you're just you're due again. Yeah. So we're playing red white shell with fork bolt this time. I think so. I think so. I just just get the curve lower. I, I like that strategy. Yeah, I, I, the bump of the night was was cute. It might it just might be like too hard on the mana. I, I fetched for blood crypt a lot, and it, it kind of hurt. Yeah, that's bad. I just had I just had hands were like. But think about it like this: if you're playing against folks who are playing the Mardu burn deck, which seems like it's raising popularity. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're going to have a huge advantage in that you're, you know, it's once again like when we had a huge advantage against Naya Burn. Right? Yeah. But secondly, when they side in their Bobs, Fork Bolt against Bob is outstanding. No one's okay. It's like, I don't think that many people are playing our, our like Mario deck with Bob. I think people are still on Naya. They're always, really? yeah. I, I went to the, so I went to a PBTQ. This is a joke. You're going to crush them. I know. I went to a PBTQ this past weekend and like, there was like three other Burn players besides me there. All Naya. All Naya. You no, actually, one was on Red White playing, playing my deck. Yeah, I think he talked me. I hope he won. I, I you didn't win. No, I what's up win. with you, dude? I wish I, I don't know, man. Around. I probably would have ranched it. <sighs> I got really unlucky versus Storm. Incredibly it's unlucky. Tough match. If you, if it's you not don't tough. Win. I don't think so. You Against Storm, they can kill you. They can kill me. Yeah. But so, so game one, I I knew what he was on because I sat next to him. So I was on the play. Yeah. My hand is one land, Eidolon, Goblin Guide, four one mana burn spells, like four lava spikes. Deep. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see a second land, and he, he comboed me off before I could kill him. Yeah, if second land, you probably just kill him on turn four. Yeah. I kill him on turn two, he's dead. <laughs> turn two? I have Eidolon! I have Eidolon! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I won, I won, I won game two, and then game three, uh, he goes, sleight of hand pass, I go, suspend a rift pulp, go, he goes, land? On the play, you would, you would play your Eidolon on turn two? I think I would just cast two burn spells. Cast burn spells? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Cast, cast two burn spells. Three. Then, not, not can't, then you can't, like, bolt. He's not going to kill you on sure. turn two, right? Yeah. So, like, because the difference there is you get more damage in this way, and then you... Because otherwise, you're going to, like, play the Eidolon and then deal, like, eight to yourself, right? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. It, it In order to do less damage, right? Like, sure. the one no, thing yeah, if you're doing right. more damage, you're doing less damage. Right? You're going to get six in on turn two versus getting zero incremental in and then just relying on him to do stuff. But you're, if you're going to cast the cards in your hand, you're actually helping him. He's Storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, in game three, I, he goes slide of him pass. I go suspend ripple. Go. He goes. You know, if he plays like yeah. a, a brawl or something on turn two, I have the option of killing it. He goes ritual blood moon. <laughs> What's that funny? I couldn't cast any of the spells in my hand. They're all like pumping the night lightning helix boros charm. Yeah. Well, if you were the red white deck, you'd be way better shape. Yeah, probably. All I right. could have cast like one more spell. Whatever. This is it for this week's episode of the Ancestral Recall podcast. The article was Casting Blue Spells by Nick Spagnolo. Yep, Hope great, you great blue article. Hearted it. I did. Uh, catch us on mandapride.com. If you like this podcast, go to iTunes. Please leave us a nice review. Saying and subscribe. Why. Yeah, and subscribe. subscribe. So here's the thing. When I say subscribe, I mean click the link, go to iTunes, put it in your podcast read or whatever the heck you do. Subscribe. Like, actually subscribe. Don't just be like, oh, Michael J asked me to subscribe. Freaking subscribe. If you don't like what I'm saying right now, send a nasty Twitter message to Roman underscore. <laughs>
It's always me. I used to be sent to Michael J, but I guess I have a, a Twitter now, so right. I, I take so, a hold of it. I'm telling you, man, you should have <laughs> skipped that month. <laughs> okay, that's fair. The villagers have got pitchforks. All the pitchforks have the word Roman underscore Fusco scribbled across them in the blood of local virgins. Okay. All right, this is Ancestral Recall. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Right.